WBEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I like this saying, and it kind of maybe is fitting the feel of what we have in the markets today. Distorted, disconnected. And we're going to talk really what that really means. And it's the whole gamut of the markets. We're not talking just grains and livestock. We're looking at crude, the stock markets, the dollar, gold, silver, bonds. We've got a WASDE report coming out tomorrow. There's so many factors that are weighing into what ended up turning into a really all the way across the board negative trade. So we'll find out about this distorted disconnected markets from Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. And Darren, you're the one that made that statement, distorted, disconnected, and it really hits the nail on the head. Yeah, there was a lot of markets today that um, were trending in the direction you would expect, like gold and bonds are trending together. And that says that maybe the CPI number is not going to be as strong as what some people are thinking. Maybe it's gonna come in under, and that'll support equities, that would support the bond market. Japanese yen's another market that's leading indicator for how the stock market's gonna do, and that's been up sharply. And so some of these markets are trending like you would expect together, but then there's some disjointed ones like the softs. You've had cotton on a big move up, but usually you'd see cocoa, sugar, and coffee coming with it. Coffee is on a sharp move lower. And so it's just interesting to see some of these disconnects. And you and I, before the call, were talking a little bit about the cattle market. Cattle were virtually unchanged today, maybe down a little. And you had corn down nine, and yet the feeder cattle were also lower. Normally, if you'd have fats basically unchanged, corn down, you'd have the fats up, or the, the feeders up a buck or two. That didn't happen today. And so I don't know if it's nervousness around, you know, the election today or whether it's, hey, we got a WASD tomorrow and that's what's going on with corn, wheat and soybeans. Or, or is it the CPI number coming out on Thursday? A lot of information to come to the forefront this week. So what about the one thing we haven't talked about as of yet, two minutes into the program, is COVID, China, and, and what's going to happen with that country with, with lockdowns and tightening numbers? Or are they going to finally just say, okay, we're going to start moving back to a normal? Great question. And I think always you got to watch what they do, not what they say. You know, last week they talked about, hey, we're going to relax our policies and we're going to get this economy going again. We saw a risk on trade. Well, a lot of that was taken back Sunday into Monday as they came out and said, no, we're going to press ahead. We're going to lock down. Zero COVID policy is going to remain. But actually what's happening is, is they're going to soften this as they move toward March. And I think you got to watch what they do, not what they say. And their indexes, their stock market have been responding positively on Friday. But then also it hasn't really been down as a result of the rhetoric. So I do think that they need soybeans. They have great crushing margins. They got a hog herd that's increased. I think they do have an economy that needs to get restarted. And I don't think the zero COVID policy is going to help them do that. And so I really think that that rhetoric is just talking markets down so they can get better purchases on. Watch what they do, not what they say. So looking at, at, at the rest of this trade, let's talk about WASDE tomorrow. Some say it's just going to be another report that a lot of hype leading into it, and then it kind of trails off from there. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting because I would say that from our producers, and we have a lot of clients across the country, I would say the bean yields probably were disappointing the further they got into harvest. Early beans were large size beans, and the layer beans were a lot smaller. 
yields did decrease in soybeans. We haven't heard that trend as much in corn. So some of us are thinking, hey, maybe corn yield could be unchanged a little bit up, bean yields a little bit down. But, you know, Karen Braun had some interesting thoughts as she put out an article on Twitter that I saw earlier this morning. She got done with her crop watch 22 and 11 fields from basically, you know, seven states. And and she talked a little bit, maybe even eight states there. She talked just about how they were down from last year. And if you look at the percentage of down, it would suggest that maybe USDA has to lower this again tomorrow. And sometimes with September and October both trending lower, November trends lower as well. So I don't think the trade's bracing for that. I think what the trade is bracing for is poor poor export demand, both not enough in soybeans and especially poor in corn. And maybe the USDA has to slash exports, therefore raising ending stocks. And so I think that's what the market is trying to brace for ahead of 11 o'clock tomorrow. So we're going to have some more technicals working into this trade as well? I think so. I think that corn is just on the the ledge here, ready to jump off and dive lower or reverse from this level. We haven't violated anything on the charts that would tell you it has to go down, but it's right on the ledge. It's standing tippy-toe right there. Soybeans, I'm still kind of friendly technically, and I think meal and bean oil, we haven't seen the last of them. So I do think beans have one more move higher here, regardless of tomorrow's report. Well, I saw that there was a, a purchase export-wise, Mexico, purchasing some corn, which I think is kind of good news, especially when you've got the president from Mexico saying they're going to be cutting off uh, GMO corn from the United States. Yeah, certainly that's longer term. They're speaking that rhetoric. But, yeah, good purchase this morning for sure on corn. They even purchased some beans, um, but really had no impact on the market. We got a lot of tough sledding ahead here to get our exports in line. I really think USDA has to cut exports again. I don't know if they'll do it tomorrow, but certainly they're going to cut them. Uh, I just really wonder how they're going to address the feed and residual area of the balance sheet. Because, you know, we're about 470 million less than a year ago, and we're not down that many animal units. So uh, interesting what they do with that. But exports should be cut. Feed probably should be raised. Lots of things that we're going to continue to look at, too, as Darren Fry joining us with Water Street Advisories. When we come back, we're going to continue to take a look at what's being seen in this market. Really a market that, as you've already heard, not a lot of news out there. But we'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the gold, the silver, the bonds. We'll talk cotton. We've had a few discussions just in the last week and a half about what's happening in this cotton market. More is coming up. Stick around. It is the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other... Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation with Darren Fry. Darren, of course, with Water Street Advisors. And, you know, we kind of talked about some of the influences we saw within the world of grain and livestock on the front half. But now it's time to kind of open the doors and look beyond that. And you made a comment before we started uh, the program today, Darren, about gold, silver and bonds and even the dollar might know something that's out there. 
Yeah, you know, the dollar, um, I think longer term, if we're going to raise interest rates, I mean, that's bullish the dollar. Obviously, better returns, so you get foreign investors coming in. Dollar is a stable currency, and so you've had support for the dollar. But we're going through corrections, and markets do correct. And I think that's what's going on with the dollar, and I think it's caught some people maybe long. It was a crowded trade. And now we're going to you know, continue to retrace. I think we have to move down at least in the 107, 108 area, maybe as deep as 104, 105 before the dollar is worth taking a look at buying again. But if you if you look at how that impacts the other markets, um, it has a huge impact on our exports, whether it's, you know, companies that produce things and ship them abroad or whether it's our products that we try to ship off the farm to overseas markets. But that is going to help, and it's also going to bring about some support uh, for other countries against their currencies as their buying power uh, becomes a little bit greater. So I think that is a little bit of a tailwind for our markets for now. But longer term, I think the dollar will resume its uptrend just in a corrective phase for now. How much a hindrance has the dollar had on our export opportunities? And then add to it the the slowdown in, in movement of barge traffic on the Mississippi? Yeah, I think both those factors, you know, the lack of of draft, a lack of rain that has given us depths of water where we can move full barges down the Mississippi has been a big deal. But also we've seen the P&W pick up as a result of that, especially to people in Asia. But if you take a look at what's going on with the dollar and how it's impacted their countries, it's really put the crush on them. You know, a lot of times they would finance things in the dollar. They didn't hedge their currencies off. And when the dollar went up and the interest rates went up with it, it really hurt people that had financing in the dollar. So a lot of their countries have been somewhat handicapped because of that. And so while it's a break in the dollar, it's not really turning the dollar upside down here to really give countries, you know, back to where they were a year ago. But certainly any relief is uh, added benefit to these other countries trying to buy goods in the U.S. Let's go Let's go south of the border into South America. They've had some struggles. Some areas have had decent rains. Others, unfortunately, have not. So will we see some revisions because of that dryness and even over-wetness in some areas? I would think so. You know, the government, the USDA has 55 million metric tons of corn production out of Argentina. We know that probably 75% of that corn crop will get planted second crop. That'll be December time frame into early January when they finish that up very dry. The new European weeklies came out yesterday and week three and four, just bone dry and warmer than normal. And so this pattern continues. La Nina is really sticking in for this third year. And I would say a lot of weather forecasters are mixed on when it's going to end. My guys think it's going to press a little bit longer into not only the end of the year, but maybe into January. And, you know, once it does fade and start to wane, you don't return normal weather for three, four, five, six weeks. And so we're going to have to see what happens with Argentina's corn crop. We know that it'll probably be reduced. And while the government's got it at 55, 51 and a half has been it for the last three or four years. So I'm not sure why they marked that down unless they were looking for an increased amount of acres. But guys I talk to down there think acres will be reduced because of the dryness. And so you got a lot of problems down there, and they got to have a weather pattern change almost immediately to get some of the projections the USDA has. So I think maybe you'll see some adjustments there. Brazil, things are going well. I think the story is Argentina, Uruguay, and maybe southern Brazil.
So as you look at the the overall big picture of the markets, and we can pretty much say harvest is wrapped up, what are some key areas um, that folks are starting to look at or ask you direction on uh, when you guys have those conversations? Well, it's really what do we do here? We got decent prices at, at harvest. I mean, harvest is coming to an end. And, you know, there's consternation over what the Fed's going to do, what inflation is doing, what input costs are going to be. And so farmers are looking for direction on what to do for not only the rest of 22 crop, but out into 23. I do think the next move of significance, Susan, is going to be to the downside in soybeans, corn, wheat. Uh, the question is, do we have one more pop up before that rolls over? And I think beans do. Not sure about corn and wheat. But, you know, Putin's a wild card with Black Sea, um, you know, the whole corridor issue. And so if we do get a pop, that thing needs to be sold because longer term, I think we're looking lower as we move into May, June of next year. Well, Darren, some great information that was brought to our listeners today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys? Well, one of two ways. They can look me up on Twitter at Fry underscore WSS, or they can call us toll free at 866 249 and that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.